0: well good morning and welcome to bible center my name is matt i'm the senior pastor here it's great having you with us and it's great worshiping the lord with you i want to say right at the beginning i love you i love what god is doing in your heart what god is doing in our staff's heart and our leadership and we're also excited to have you if you're a guest hope you feel welcome uh, if you're a guest, you're at an advantage. The chairs aren't new to you because they would be new to you anyway. Uh, so we're glad that you're here. Hopefully you'll find your place. If you get lost, just see Pastor John. That's becoming my line more and more. Like if, you, if there's something you don't like or you have a question, I just send you right to him. I, I love having you here, bro. Welcome to West Virginia. It's great. <laughs> I invite you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. We'll look there in a moment. But today I want to tell you about one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, One of my top five favorite movies probably is Hoosiers with Gene Hackman. How many of you have seen Hoosiers at some time or another? Yeah, I love the movie. It's this podunk basketball team. Uh, They claw their way to the state championships. They're playing in the big Indiana arena And when they get there, they're scared out of their mind. They've never played at that level. They've never played in a stadium that big. And Coach, who's played by Gene Hackman, has them get out a tape measure. And he has two players measure from the basket to the foul line. And he says, how many feet is it? And, of course, they say it's 15 feet. Then he has two other players, one sitting on top of the other one's shoulders, measure from the floor to the rim. And he says, how tall is it? And he says, Coach, it's 10 feet tall. And his point that he was trying to make was the dimensions of the court were exactly the same in their little podunk gym as it was in the Indiana arena. The arenas change, but the principles and the basics stay the same. This morning I want to invite you into an arena that's about 3,400 years old. Uh, So we're going to go back in time quite a bit and we're going to try to see what God said in this arena and how it applies in 2017. The story we're going to read in a moment is about Joshua who's standing on the brink of the promised land. He's standing on the edge of the Jordan River, about to lead about two million people into this new land that God had promised. And imagine how Joshua must have been feeling. I mean, he had to be scared from the words that God gave to him. He had to be nervous and anxious. He could hear the words of Moses, his predecessor, in his ears. I mean, he had to follow in the footsteps of Moses. He could hear the words that God said to Abraham, how he was going to give him a land and give his people a land. And here Joshua stands at the edge of the river knowing that he is the fulfillment or the one God has chosen to fulfill the promise to Abraham. In his ears, he hears the words of God to Adam When God told Adam to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the whole earth, this guy was nervous. He was probably also nervous because of the opposition he was about to face. Canaan or Palestine, it was the crossroads as it still is really of the whole world. You had the Mesopotamians, the Babylonians to the northeast. You had the Hittites, this vicious warrior people directly north. And then you had Egypt in the south. And they were constantly fighting in this particular part of the world. He'd heard about the walled cities. He had seen the walled cities. He had seen the giants. And about 40 years earlier, he had been on a spy mission into this land And 10 of his spy comrades chickened out, which is why God allowed them, made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so in a moment, I'm going to share with you what God shared with Joshua. I'm going to share with you the reasons that God gave Joshua. And I'm convinced that the reasons that God gave Joshua are still the reasons and even the practical steps that can get you through your life. You know, not very many of us are standing on the edge of physical land, scared to take physical land, but most of us are just trying to get through our week. Maybe you came this morning and you've got a burden or a worry on your heart, and you're thinking, how can the Bible, how can a story that's over 3,000 years old, help me through my day? I promise you it can. And as we open our hearts and open our ears, my prayer is that this ancient story will touch you and strengthen you like never before. Please open your Bibles or your Bible apps with me to Joshua chapter 1. Let's stand and see what God told Joshua. Joshua 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So what is God's challenge to us in 2017? Well, it's the same challenge that he gave to Joshua, and it's simply this, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. At least four times in this passage, God encourages his people, he invites his people, be strong and courageous. This theme is woven throughout the book of Joshua, and it's woven throughout the New Testament. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul repeats it and he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. In Ephesians 6.10 he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong, be courageous. Now, we could stop the sermon there and say, as you leave this morning, the challenge is be strong and courageous. But if you're like me, just knowing what God wants me to do isn't enough. I've got to know the motivation. I've got to know how I'm going to accomplish it. So we never want Bible Center to be a place where we're just telling you, we're just heaping on commands and rules and even New, New Testament commands without giving you the motivation why. And so we ask the question, why could they be courageous? Why could they be strong? And we see it here in our text. But why is this possible? Because God is with us wherever we go. He says it in verse 5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He says it in verse 9. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go in verse 17 the people repeat it back to Joshua it would be like me having a conversation with you after this sermon and after for 30 minutes I've encouraged you be strong and courageous God is with you wherever you go and you see me in the lobby and you say pastor Matt let me encourage you as well be strong and courageous the Lord your God is with you wherever you go we see that in verse 17 when the people say, only be strong and courageous. In the Hebrew, the literal translation to this, could, we could phrase it this way, God will not let you sink. God will not let you sink. He is going to be with you. You are not going to drown, which is why Isaiah uses this image later on and he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It's because the word literally means God will not let you sink. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus uses these words when he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. The writer of Hebrews even had this this love for Joshua. He uses imagery and mentions Joshua's journey all throughout the book. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. Most believe it was the Apostle Paul who knows, but he loved the character of Joshua. And in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he quotes Joshua chapter 1 and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the original language there, there's five no's, five negatives, so if you forget everything else about the sermon, you can remind yourself this week, God promises you he will never, 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 never forsake you. That's really strong language. That's why we can be strong and courageous. So we could end the sermon now. You're like, yeah, Pastor Matt, that would be, that'd be great. Let's end the sermon now. We're gonna go just a little farther. I know what it's like to sit under preaching. I've sat under preaching my entire life, Bible college, seminary. Uh, one time I heard one of my favorite preachers, I'll mention who he is, he's uh, he's struggling with with his uh, with some dementia now, but uh, I heard him about two or three years ago at a conference in Louisville and he preached this 45 minute sermon. And it was really good. Like it was just, ah, oh, just really touched my heart. And he went into the conclusion, and I think he'd forgotten he'd preached this sermon, And so he preached the whole thing again. And we're sitting there like, bro, we love you, but oh, rapture, please happen now. Lord Jesus, please come. So I'm not going to do that to you, but I do want us to go a little farther. I've given you the what, right? I've given you the why. God is with you. Be strong and courageous. But now let's look at how. Like how can we practically live this out every single day? Tomorrow at work, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, how can you live it out? Well, we're going to see there's a number of principles in Joshua chapter 1, and it really comes down to spending time to hear the voice of God, spending time remembering that God is with you. So if you're one of the few people who can always remember God is always with me and you never forget, you can totally zone out for the next 10 minutes. But if you're like me and you're not one of those people, these five how-to reminders I trust will be an encouragement uh, and a help to you. Essentially, God comes to Joshua, speaks to him in some way, and reminds him of his presence. We don't know what that looked like. In the Old Testament, God spoke to people with dreams and visions. Sometimes God spoke to people through the high priest. Sometimes God met with people uh, and spoke to them audibly. So I'm just gonna use my imagination for a second. The people, two million strong, are camped out on the edge of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to cross over into the Promised Land, and you can picture Joshua slipping out of the camp a little bit by himself. Maybe he went to one of the cliffs. There's a deep valley, a deep region there. He slips out and he sits on the edge of one of the cliffs by himself. And he's scared, he's worried. Not only does he have to, to conquer cities like Jericho that have walls so thick you could drive several cars across them and around them at one time, but he can't even figure out how he's going to get across the river, which is what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. At this particular time of the year, it was flood season. I mean, imagine the Canal River, the, the water overflowing its banks, and you're wondering how you're going to get two million people without a boat across the river. And he's scared. And just imagine as God, and maybe the, the glory of God in a cloud comes upon Joshua or meets with Joshua, and he begins to speak to him words of comfort. What were those words of comfort? And how did God, the great counselor, counsel Joshua? First of all, God encouraged him to carve out time to remember his pain. Number one, how do we keep this in mind? We carve out time to remember our pain. Verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, life is going, verse two, life is going to be rainbows and unicorns. So smile and experience your best life now. Is that what he said in verse two? Not at all. And verse two, it, it, it struck me this week. He says, "Moses, my servant, is dead. God gets very raw, God gets very real, and God doesn't like mask what's happened or mask the emotions of Joshua. He says, "Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead." Pretending Being inauthentic isn't part of the character of God, but God speaks directly to Joshua, acknowledges the pain, and acknowledges the situation. It reminds me of several quotes from church history, reminded of Augustine, who lived over 1,500 years ago. He says, How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Lord, grant that I may know myself, that I may know Thee. Saint Teresa of Avila wrote almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of knowledge. John Calvin wrote our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts the knowledge of God and of ourselves there's no knowledge of God without the knowledge of self. Now if you've grown up in church like I have Being honest and real about what you're feeling, about what you're experiencing wasn't very much a part of my tradition. You know growing up it always seemed like you know you could like fight on the way to church or you could fight with your sister or fight with your brother or you know you could have a miserable morning but when you got to church there's there's like the church face. Now I know you've never been guilty of it and neither have I but you know the person sitting beside you has probably been guilty of church face where it's like, hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. You're like, there's no way that 2,000 people in Charleston, West Virginia this morning can be that great, right? Now, I know Mountaineers won yesterday, so a lot more of us are great. You few Ohio State fans, we're even, we're even greater because you lost, but well, no, I'm just kidding. We love you, <laughs> but we do that, right? We get, and, and again, I'm not saying that every time you meet somebody and none of us want to be that person that dumps on every person that we meet, but we have the same struggles everybody else faces. We have struggles in our friendships, struggles in our marriages, struggle in our children, struggles in our singleness, struggles in our sexuality, struggles in addictions and insecurities and a desire for approval, struggles with depression, struggles with discouragement, struggles at work, and struggles at church. I'm speaking this morning as one who's still on the journey because, again, I grew up in the church. I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. And something God is dealing with me about as your senior pastor is trying to bring a a presence of authenticity to my own life so that over the next few decades, by God's grace, I can bring it more and more back to this church, I believe that the world is looking for people who have a very real message, but they live it in a very real way. I I recommend a book about every week, but I really want to recommend this one. This is my new favorite book. I used to have a different book uh, on my stand in my office. It's now been replaced with this one by Peter Cascazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The subtitle is my favorite. You'll want to get it off of Amazon or order it here locally. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. So in other words, we can know. This is kind of Bible Center's culture. We know a lot of theology. We've got a lot of Bible classes. We have this great history of going deep in God's Word But could God be inviting us to go deeper in our own spiritual lives, in our own emotional lives? I love a quote in this book. He writes, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control of our inner world. We are frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness. In other words, if anybody knew what we really thought, we'd be scared to death. In neglecting our emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. We have 10 pastors here at Bible Center and on Mondays we meet to discuss who needs care and how we can provide the best care. But one of the things we started doing was every Monday taking about a half hour to an hour and letting every pastor just tell his story and share maybe some grief on his heart or what he's feeling or to share some burdens on his heart. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't my idea. It was Pastor Mike's idea. When he mentioned it, I'm like, man, that kind of sounds a little, you know, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to get stuff done. I'm telling you now Mondays, it's leaked over into an hour, sometimes two hours, where we as your pastors are trying to learn to live this. So in turn, we can teach this as we acknowledge our pain, then God can make his message real. First, God invites us to remember his presence in our pain. Number two, another way we can be reminded of the presence of God is by carving out time to remember our purpose. Carving out time to remember our purpose. Back at the very beginning of chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over to the Jordan. And essentially, he says, take all the land that I've promised to give you. He gets very specific about what land they're to take. But he's giving, them his, he's giving Joshua the mission. And so here's Joshua again, sitting by this cliff, forgetting the presence of God. God draws out his pain, and then God reminds him of his purpose. Your purpose, Joshua, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When I told Adam to take dominion over the whole earth, your purpose, Joshua, goes all the way back to Abraham. When I told Abraham I was going to make his family a mighty nation and give them a land, your purpose, Joshua, extends back to Moses. Joshua was nothing like Moses, and the people would have had a hard time adjusting to his leadership because Joshua was a warrior. Joshua was always trying to get the next thing done. People probably didn't like his rate of change and his speed at which he moved, but nevertheless, God had placed Joshua in the position, and God says, Joshua, remember, it's not just about being busy. It's about taking the land that I've given you. These same words, almost word for word, were used by Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our purpose at Bible Center is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Jesus. Your purpose as a Christian is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Christ. And so instead of us going to work, as we said last week, or just raising kids because that's what we do, or or we just kind of live because I guess that's what humans do, We find purpose and say, God, how can you use me on your mission to spread the gospel in Charleston, West Virginia, and around the world? We find God's presence in our pain. We find God's presence when we remember our purpose. But number three, we find God's presence when we remember other people, when we remember and spend time with other people. In verse 6, God tells Joshua, we we can't miss this. Super small, but super important. Be strong and courageous. Why? For, because you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. We won't read it, but verses 16 through 18, these people speak back to Joshua Essentially saying, Joshua, we hear you, we're going to follow you, we know God has called us as part of this mission, but one of the ways that God uses Joshua or brings Joshua out of his discouragement is by reminding him that it's not about him. But there's two million people camped down over the hill that are depending on him to be aware of God's presence. Now God doesn't start with this. Again, God started with the the issue of his pain. God started with reminding him of his purpose. But down on the list, number three, number four, number five, when we're discouraged and we feel alone, it's helpful when a friend or a family member reminds us, hey, by the way, hey, grab a hold of the presence of God. Remember that God is with you. Put into practice all that you know to be true because your kids are watching you. And and all of a sudden, that just jars us. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Our neighbors watch us. Our friends need us. Our family is counting on us. God has created us for others. Some of the most memorable moments of life, all of the memorable moments of life, almost always include others, weddings, funerals, why is Facebook so popular? This is actually how you can use Facebook to prove to somebody the existence of God. You say, I gotta hear this. Snapchat, how do you How do prove? It's because we're made for community. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity past lived this oneness. There's one God in three persons, and somehow when we're created in God's image, we have that same desire for otherness and the fact that these platforms take off, are proof, ball teams, sports teams, dance teams, etc. More people, more of God's image. Yesterday, I was reminded of the importance of community. I did a race yesterday. Um, You know, they say uh, somebody who does a marathon has to tell everybody they did a marathon. So I had planned on not sharing it, but as I'm running, I was like looking for an illustration. You always need an illustration towards the end of a sermon to wake people up. So uh, this was this is it. Um, hope, hope it works. As I was running yesterday in Indianapolis, there was a, a moment, there was a little more than a moment, where you think, you know what, I really don't want to be doing this anymore. And then you begin thinking, you know, I paid to do this. I really don't want to be doing this anymore. And I came upon a group of people that were, there was, they were for a certain goal time. And I've never run in a group like that before. I've run in groups in training. We've got a group here connected to the church. But I've never run in a group on a marathon. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to get in this group. I'm going to just try to get to know people in this group and stay on pace. And it was amazing the difference that it made. This group had nothing in common except we were all just trying to get to the finish line alive. I met a guy named Lewis from Chicago. I never knew Lewis before. Man Lewis, and I was just looking for Lewis. I'm listening to my music. you know I've got some songs that I like in. I've got some songs that my girls like. I got a song back when they were like three years old, the SpongeBob song. I've still got that in my, my iPod. But I just kept looking for Lewis. Where's Lewis? There are people in our group. There's the guy I call the Chuck Norris with Rabies guy. It, like, he, he he would like run really, really fast, act like he's like running from a fire, then he would slow down, then he would run. There's the survival guy that has like 25 water bottles strapped to his belt, which I never understand on a race because they've got like Gatorade every mile, like what dude, like you expecting the apocalypse. Um, there's the guy that has the headphones on and the guy looks really, really tough till you realize he's like listening to Gwen Stefani and you can hear everything that's on his headphones. Uh, the guy in front of me had this really cool tattoo. It was an Iron Man tattoo. I thought, man, that's really cool. And then I saw the guy beside him have an even cooler tattoo. It's an Iron Man tattoo with flames shooting out the side of it. And I thought, man, that guy is cool. But as we're running, been talking and encouraging one another, people I may never see again, it reminded me God created us for community. Why does Bible Center Church exist? for the glory of God, no doubt, but we show that glory by the way we live in community. And the invitation to you this morning is to hear the voice of God as Joshua heard it. Yes, be strong and courageous. Remember that God is with you, but there are thousands of other people counting on you to walk with Jesus Christ. If you're new to the church or you've been coming for a while and you're not really sure how to get connected, let me invite you to B.C. in 5. After every service, we take five minutes right down front in this section over here to my left. And sometimes it's a meeting. Sometimes it's just two or three people chatting with one of our staff members. And we'd love to put something in your hands and talk with you, get to know you, and tell you how you can get connected in community at Bible Center Church. Number four, we're almost done. How do we remember the presence of God? Number four, by taking time, carving out time to remember his promises. Carving out time to remember his promises. God tells Joshua in verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The law was written on stone tablets, but also on scrolls in the ark. It was periodically read to the whole nation. Over and over again through the law and the prophets and the writings, God told his people, it is my promises, it is my word that will carry you through. Every day the world screams lies to you and me. The world tells you happiness is found in having things. You should get all you can for yourself as quickly as you can. Security is found in money and power and status and good health. Seek all the pleasure you can. God is irrelevant to everyday life, so get yours. There's no moral absolutes. You're a mistake. You're a burden. You're stupid. You're worthless. You're not allowed to make mistakes. You don't have the right to feel joy and pleasure. But when we get in God's word, we're reminded of his love, we're reminded of his presence, we're reminded that in his silence and solitude and in prayer, God is always with us. Brother Lawrence called it the pure loving gaze that finds God everywhere. The purpose of having a quiet time with God every day isn't just so you can check it off a list. But it's far more important than that. Through spending time in God's word every day, you're reminded of God's presence every day. And that's the goal being in the presence of God and changed into his image. You know, this, I was thinking, like, how can we practically live this out? Growing up, I always heard, you know, set your alarm an hour earlier, which for us today wouldn't have been a problem, but tomorrow probably will be. What if instead of you having some kind of bulk time in the morning or at night, what if you had several times throughout the day, maybe they're five minutes long, and maybe you have a time where you say, you know, every morning at breakfast, I'm going to read a psalm. Every day at lunch, I'm I'm going to read or I'm going to think about or just pray this. Or on my desk at work, I'm going to put this prayer reminder or you know what, I'm going to commit for a week every day on the drive home. I'm not turning the radio on. I'm just going to pray for my family and my friends. Actually, if you go back in church history, it was more common for people to have smaller times with God but to spread them out through the day only that we might remember God's presence. Lastly, you say, Pastor Matt, I really need to be reminded of God's presence. You're not going to want to miss this. The last way we can remember his presence is by carving out time for our physical needs. I've got to read verses 10 and 11. It has West Virginia written all over it. Verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people. God had just told him, you're going to go take the land. So he says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. If you're taking notes, you want to write soup. Literally, it's it's it's. It's soup, it's it's, pour, it's 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 food. He says, prepare your provisions for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan and go in and take the land. If you've been wondering where is the presence of God, Yes, remember your pain. Yes, remember your purpose. Get in community with other people. Certainly spend time in God's word or have little reminders pop up on your phone of the promises of God. But if all else fails, remember this. God's created you to be attentive to your physical needs. Joshua, after meeting with God on the cliff, walks back into the camp, and he doesn't tell the people, all right, before we take the land, let's spend three days memorizing Bible verses. He says, no, take three days, strengthen your bodies, and eat all you can eat, because we're about to cross the river and we're going to fight. You know, there are times when the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. The most spiritual thing you can do is go out to eat. The most spiritual thing we can do is take a walk or go for a jog or spend time watching or listening to our favorite music or being with our favorite people. And in so doing, God will remind us of his presence because we are human beings, not human doings. And as we be, God's presence will be more real than ever. Remember God in your pain. Remember your purpose. Spend time with other people. Make sure you hear the promises of God and don't neglect your physical care. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church family. I pray that you would use the meat and potatoes of your word to help us go out and be strong and courageous. We know in our heads that you're with us, but I pray you would use these things to remind us in our hearts that we are never alone. And Father, as we close with this last song, would you help us to leave or go to our classes walking in the presence of our great God. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen.